Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Crime podcast. This podcast... <laughs> we play games, mumble profanities, and laugh way too often. Also, we... We cut. talk about stuff that's kind of hardcore, man. Oh, yes, we cover sensitive content. As such, listener <laughs> discretion is advised. intro i think i've ever done i agree <laughs> it was like a little like what am i doing here again no i literally started talking and then i just completely blanked i was like oh okay never mind and then oliver's punching the microphone <laughs> also guys my name is jen and my name is emily and today we have a special guest uh, spe- speaker yes his name is oliver yeah, he is my my parents' dog, Oliver, and he decided he wanted to spend some time with us today. Yeah, he just bit my hand, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. He's the best boy. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, he's so cute. Uh, so, what do we do again? We do a podcast. I mean, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, why else would I be here right now? I don't I don't know why we're here. <laughs> oh, now he wants to escape. You got bored of us so quickly. What are we talking about this week, Jen? So this week we are talking about witchcraft crimes. Witchcraft crimes? I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> Woo! Absolutely w- witchy. It's wild and witchy and witchy. <laughs> and wet and wild and witchy? Yeah. Yikes. Oh! <laughs> Ooh. Well, that's saucy oh, this week. I was gonna say, let's put that under the category of porn I never want to watch. <laughs> Same, though. <laughs> you want to watch wet, wild, and witchy? No thanks. Pass. Mm, mm, not this lifetime. Maybe my next one, though. Exactly. So, should we start by spinning our wheel of questions? Absolutely. All right. How many witches do you think that there are? In this world? <laughs> yes, in this world as of as of currently. Uh, zero. <laughs> what? Please. Yeah, yeah I, don't even, I don't know if I believe in witches. No, witches are real. It has to do with uh, pe- being pagan, right? Like, Wiccan is technically witchcraft. Mm. And then they wear t-shirts that say things like, witches be cray. I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna say, a, like, legit witches, I'm gonna say a solid, like, zero. You mean, like, the ones from Macbeth who literally have, like, a cauldron and they're, like, I have newt and they have the, uh, like, a huge pimply nose? Yeah. And they're, like, I can fly. Or, like, ones from Halloween Town, you know, either end of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I think witches and I think of, um, either Sabrina, mm-hmm. the teenage mm-hmm. witch, and then I also think of um, bed knobs and broomsticks because of the main lady of that movie was a witch. I think of like Halloween Town, Hocus Pocus. Oh, Hocus Pocus! Yeah. Or like 
old school witches that were like green and warty and Wizard of Oz. Or like Hansel and Gretel, the witch who lives in the house made of candy. Which I mean... Who wants to eat children. Who's like, my goal, minus the eating children part, I just eat my own house. (laughs) You'd be like, this is the best thing I've ever done. I'm gonna die of cavities. And it's gonna be so great. Delicious. I love it. All right. Do you want to spin the wheel of questions again? What do you think about when somebody mentions witchcraft? Um, <laughs> I wish I could fly and stuff. That'd be cool. On a broom? I know. You laugh about it when you're a kid. You're like, LOL, look at that, like, ugly lady riding a broom. But now I think about it and I'm like, but you don't have to pay for gas. <laughs> like, she's winning here, okay? We're all losers and she's winning. Um, if anybody can legitimately ride a broom, they're winning for life. You never have to pay for gas. You never have to get your oil changed. You never have to get your tires changed. No car maintenance. No alternators. It's way no faster. It's like... The the possibilities are endless. There's no such thing as a speed limit in the sky. True. Airplanes go really fast. You just I, gotta match them. Can you imagine just like balloons with like a speed limit for planes? <laughs> One day. When there's flying cars, maybe. That sounds like something straight out of the Jetsons. <laughs> But, like, I'm kind of stoked for it. You know, like, 2030, here I come. I just want a car like they did in Spy Kids where it has, like, a raft built into it and mm-hmm. it can fly. That would be sick, man. Three in one, but still not a broom. So what do you think of when you think of witches? I definitely think of, like, the stereotypical thing where it's, like, somebody in front of, like, a big cauldron. And then you, it's got, like, potions and stuff. And there's maybe, like, a child in a cage somewhere. You know what I mean? I feel you. And lots of mushrooms. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Right? And obviously they're green because they have to be. And they're also really old and they're like hunched over. And they look like me. And they're always after like a uh, cute man or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like me. I know. Like that's why I'm looking at you while I'm describing. <laughs> you're like, hey, it feels very familiar. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, how? I think I might know this person. <laughs> Hmm. Known her for a while. I'm sober and green. Oh, that sounds like someone I know. <laughs> if you were a witch, what kind of witch would you be? Marnie Piper from Halloween Town. Thank you very much. Not Sarah, pa- not the Sarah Paxton version, though. Mm. That, that was bullshit. <laughs> that was bullshit, and we don't talk about it. <laughs> Halloween Town four. I'm looking at you. <laughs> you see, I feel like I would like to be a witch like out of Kiki's delivery service. She delivers bread and stuff. And then she saves like a guy from a blimp. I wish I could deliver bread and stuff. <laughs> With my broom. <laughs> With my broom. That sounds like a perfect career for me. Right? And you're like, mm, that sounds like goals. <laughs> can I, can I please? <laughs> can I have that, some of that please? <laughs> I mean, I'm already a witch. I might as well get the benefits. I was like, since you're hunched over in green, you might as well get some of the plus sides, too. <laughs> exactly. This is bullshit. What's something about witchcraft you wish you could know more about? How I sign up. <laughs> How do I register? <laughs> is there a website or something? What is the benefits plan? <laughs> do I get dental? <laughs> Does it cover chiropractic? I would really like to go for a massage. I don't know if that can be a part of this plan. But like, I'd like to work that in somehow. How about some mental health coverage? <laughs> I feel like I need a therapist. Holy Only shit. for free. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. 
No, I always think, though, when it comes to witchcraft, like, why are they always evil? You know what I mean? But they're not. Like, in Halloween Town, Marnie's not evil. That's also, like, a more, like, recent thing, though. Like, historically speaking, for whatever reason, they're always a bad magical person. I think it has something to do, like, I don't know for sure, but, like, I think it has something to do with, like, oh, like, they got their powers from Satan. Oh, like, sold their soul to be able to have those powers? Yeah. Like, see, why is the devil always involved? The devil. The devil. (laughs) I love the way you say that. The devil. (laughs) It's going to be my new ringtone. You know what? We need a t-shirt that says, the devil made me do it. (laughs) It's true, though. My bird, Kevin, he's the devil, or she's the devil, and she made me do it. (laughs) That's just your excuse. Sorry I'm late. Satan made me late. Listen. The devil. (laughs) (laughs) The devil was on my shoulder, quite literally, and throwing seed and millet everywhere. In my eyes, and I couldn't do anything about it, because I love them. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. You're like, but actually. Yeah. This is literally what we were talking about earlier, where you're like, there's bird seed everywhere. My life is covered in bird seed. This is why I need a Roomba. (laughs) Someone out there who's buying me a Christmas present looking to Roombas for me? <laughs> What's a knockoff Roomba? A Boomba? <laughs> a Toomba? <laughs> I'll get you a Toomba for Christmas. <laughs> Sounds great. And now, a description of witchcraft. Witchcraft, or witchery, is the practice of magical skills and abilities. Witchcraft is a broad term that varies culturally and so shinitalo so so sh t socially I can't read that. And thus can be difficult to define with precision. Therefore cross cultural assumptions about the meaning or significance of the term should be applied with caution, apparently. Historically and in most traditional cultures worldwide, notably in Africa and in traditional Native American communities, the term is co- commonly associated with those who use a metaphysical means to cause harm to the innocent. In the modern era, the word may be more commonly refer to benign or positive practices of modern paganism, where it may refer to a divina- div- divin- divinatory or healing role. Witch awareness. <laughs> this is this episode is actually just a witch awareness campaign. You see my Facebook uh, birthday donation group should have been for witch awareness. <laughs> Emily, why wasn't? <laughs> Alright, let me spin you a tale. Ooh, spin it for me. Of a witch named Hulda. Okay, I'm listening. At last she came to a little house. And an old woman was peeping out of it. But she had such great teeth that the girl was terrified and about to run away, say. Only the old woman called her back. What are you afraid of, my dear? Come and live with me, and if you do the housework well and orderly, things shall go well with you. You must take great pains to make my bed well and shake it up thoroughly so that the feathers fly about. And then in the world it snows, for I am Mother Hulda. As the old woman spoke so kindly, the girl took courage, consented, and went to her work. She did everything to the old woman's satisfaction and shook the bed with such a will that the feathers flew about like snowflakes. And so she led a good life and never had a cross word, but boiled and roast meat every day. 
When she lived a long time with Mother Hilda, she began to feel sad, not knowing herself what ailed her. At last she began to think that she must be homesick, and although she was a thousand times better off than at home where she was, yet she had a great longing to go home. At last she said to her mistress, I am homesick, and although I am very well off here, I cannot stay any longer. I must go back to my own home. Mother Hilda answered, It pleases me well that you wish to go home, and as you have served me faithfully, I will undertake to send you there. She took her by the hand and led her to a large door standing open, and as she was passing through it, there fell upon her a heavy shower of gold, and the gold hung all around her so that it, she was covered in it. All of this is yours because you have been so industrious, said Mother Hulda, and besides that, she returned to her spindle, and the very same that she dropped into the well. Did I read that right? <laughs> where, what, where'd the well come in? <laughs> It was just there. They had wells back in the day, you know. Just, like, in the house. <laughs> just hanging out. Just hanging out. This is my well. And besides that, she returned to her spindle, and very the very same that she dropped in the well. Because I guess she dropped a spindle in a well at some point. And then the door was shut again, and the girl found herself back again in the world, not far from her mother's house. And as she passed through the yard, the cock stood on top of the well and cried, <laughs> As they do. Our golden girl has come home too. Because it needs to rhyme. Wow. Then she went into her mother, and as she had returned covered with gold, she was well received. So this is an excerpt from this passage called Mother Hilda, which is actually a fairy tale that was made by the Brothers Grimm. I actually, uh, I took a children's lit class and I read this story. That's so funny. Yeah, because, uh, Basically, they had taken this from an actual uh, legend from an area about a witch named Hilda. And then mm -hmm. they were inspired by that. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I, re I recollect that when a stripling, my first exploit in a squirrel shooting was in the grove of tall walnut trees that shade one side of the valley. I had wandered into it at noontime when all nature was peculiarly quiet. <laughs> and was startled by the roar of my own gun as it broke the Sabbath stillness around and was prolonged and reverberated by the angry echoes. If I ever should wish for a retreat, whether I might steal from the world and its distractions and dream quietly away from the remnant of a troubled life, I know of none more promising than this little valley. Which, that was an excerpt from The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Hmm. Now, you might be wondering, why did I just read you passages from A Grim Fairy Tale and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow? Do tell. Because both Sleepy Hollow and Mother Hilda were inspired by the same legend. Interesting. Right? I know. So while I was reading it, I was like, I am intrigued. Because, <laughs> tell me more. Because, like, Hilda, even though the Grimm brothers are very well known for their book and everything, not a lot of people know about that, but a lot of people know about The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, not realizing that it's actually all wrapped around uh, and, and based off of this one same legend, right? Interesting. I know, right? But that was from The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. So Irving makes a cryptic allusion early in his tale, saying that some say that this place was bewitched by a high German doctor during the early days of the settlement, others that by an old Indian chief and the prophet or wizard of his tribe held his powwows there before the country was discovered by Master Hedrick Hudson. According to the Sleepy Hollow storyteller Jonathan Crook, this high German doctor was none other than a thin, frail-looking woman who appeared in Sleepy Hollow around 1770 by the name of Hilda. Hilda, why? You're gonna be like, but Emily, where's the crime? 
Why is there an old woman? Well, that's what I wonder every week. Yeah, I always find something. <laughs> Sometimes it's drinking and flying. I still laugh. I thought that was really funny. You're like, but Emily, where's the crime? I'm like, they were drinking and flying. Drawing on the writings of Edgar Mayhew Bacon in the Chronicles of Terrytown and Sleepy Hollow, as well as other sources, Crook names Hilda as this mysterious high German doctor. The other residents of the time had another title for her. Hulda the Witch. So basically what he's saying is Sleepy Hollow is this place that um, a Native American tribe would go to hold their ceremonies and that's why it had a, such a mysterious draw to it from a lot of people in the area. Right. And one of the people who lived there, this Hulda lady, so she was high German and then she was also a doctor. So then for that time period, they figured, okay, you know, somebody we don't really understand that well, somebody who works with herbs and, you know, other stuff like that. Obviously, she's a witch. <laughs> Hilda is, in fact, a German name made popular by the Brothers Grimm in their collected fairy tales. But originally, Hilda was a pagan deity of the Germanic tribes, which would have stretched into the lands of the Dutch ancestors of Sleepy Hollow. When I was doing my research, that community that lived by Sleepy Hollow, the settlers there were all of Dutch descent for the most part, other than Hulda and they said like a couple other people for that time period. Interesting. Right? I know. Very interesting. <laughs> I know. Weird. I picked something I liked. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah. So, in fact, belief in Hulda was so ancient that it predated other pagan deities such as Thor and Odin. So the Dutch people in that community, her name was Hulda already, and then in their own cultural history, also had known Hulda to be the name of a pagan deity. Coincidence? I think not. Exactly. As Christianity usurped the pagan pantheon, in Europe the deities went underground as it was, continuing to live in folk tales of the region. So Hulda was associated with basket making and weaving, two arts associated with witchcraft at the time, making every person on Pinterest today a witch, so... <laughs> yes. So watch yourselves, guys. Witchcraft. You can pin it. <laughs> pin witchcraft to your bar. <laughs> How trendy. Oh, so trendy. Okay, so Hilda became known as a witch, albeit often a benign one. So even though every Dutch person in the community was like, there, be a witch, she was like, hey guys, it's me, the witch. <laughs> What's up? How's it hanging today, George? <laughs> She's a witch. Yeah, yeah, I know. Still here. Thanks, George. <laughs> Thanks, George. Have a good one. So it's understandable that the residents of Sleepy Hollow would cast a wary eye on a strange older woman with dark set eyes, because if you have brown eyes, apparently that makes you a witch too. So R.I.P. Emily's a witch. Yep. Well, I already knew that one, though. I might not be green and crooked like you. <laughs> <laughs> She's a witch in her own way. But I've got brown eyes, so, you know, convincing enough. Who came to settle in the wilds. So basically, she moved out to the country and said, fuck everybody. <laughs> Which, Fair. Same. If I wouldn't want to live in a town where everybody calls me a witch every day. <laughs> me either. Right? So, particularly as Hulda, who was known to weave exquisite baskets of, of peculiar technique, because that makes you a witch, like we discussed. Perhaps wary is too light of a term, as the minister of the old Dutch church of Sleepy Hollow declared Hulda to be a witch and forbade any of his parishioners to have any dealings with her. So basically, the pastor was like, mm, yes, she's a witch. None of you may buy her baskets. <laughs> How rude. Those are nice baskets. I bet she was because she didn't give him a discount or something. <laughs> you don't get the family discount, he's, George. He's like, I'm the pastor, therefore I get a basket for free. And she's like, no, you have to pay. And he's like, 
that's a witch. Nobody buy anything from her. <laughs> God damn it. George. Some believe that Hulda had spent some time living with the Native Americans in the area, perhaps having been kidnapped by them as a child, which unlikely, for she was, <laughs> for she was able to communicate in some with some in a language of a tribe long ago from that part of the country. So she was educated too. Wow, an educated woman must be a witch. Lives in the forest and makes baskets? Oh my god. Heathen! Nice to Native American people? Oh my god. What a travesty. (laughs) How dare she? She's the worst, really. Gosh, people are such idiots. (laughs) (laughs) So the only way that Holdick could trade was with the Native Americans, who perhaps had more respect for the woman, she lived on a hut just below Spook Rock, which actually makes an appearance in the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So Spook Rock was legendary from the earliest days of the White Settlement, a tradition which had stretched into the folklore of the Native Americans. A large boulder sitting atop a hill, now graced with its own trail, Spook Rock Trail in Rockefeller Preserve. So it's an actual thing you can go visit nowadays. It was a gathering place for councils, where leaders of the tribe would go and gather. Council rocks were chosen in part because they were believed to hold sacred powers, and Spook Rock was no exception. Somebody named Bacon, who they don't say his first name. I'm going to assume that's his last name. Nah, his name is just Bacon. Okay, so Mr. Bacon (laughs) writes of a young Indian's experience in the area, which, not my choice of words, but... (laughs) But anywho. So one night, a young Indian returning late from a hunt... Passing near Council Rock was surprised to see light moving in that direction, while at the same time his ears were assailed by the sound of musical voices. Not being ignorant of the sacred character of the place and the miraculous things that had occurred there, his curiosity was once aroused and crept cautiously from tree to tree until he came upon a sight of extraordinary interest. A dozen girls, beautiful beyond anything that the young man had ever imagined, were dancing on the surface of the rock. Linking hands and leaning far outward into the rapid figure, they seemed to tread on the very edge of the stone. It was indeed they touched anything more like solid than the air at all. To the bewilderment and delighted watcher, they were like a ring of forest leaves that had been caught up and whirled by the wind. Their voices were as sweet as their bodies were beautiful and graceful, but no one could have mistaken them for anything less than celestial. Even if there had not been in the center of circle around, they danced a great basket. Oh, Hilda, what a beautiful basket. I, I totally forgot that part. <laughs> I remember reading it the first time and being like, wait, so you go into all this detail describing these beautiful, like, incredible people and they're dancing in a fucking basket? <laughs> it better be some, like, cheese in that basket because there's no way I'm dancing for anything less. It's a really nice basket. It's a bread like. basket. Yeah. It's a really nice bread it's basket. It's made of bread. <gasps> oh! Ooh turntables <laughs> a great basket which a bread basket a bread basket as everyone knows is the approved vehicle for when heavenly maids pay a visit earthward apparently this was not known to me but apparently wasn't very well known back then that if angels were visiting they floated down in a basket but okay a, but a nice basket seems legit a nice bread basket a very nice heavenly bread basket <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> The scene was lit by unearthly flambeau, again, not my word choice, but here we are, (laughs) that flared among the trees like will-o'-the-wisps. The singing and the dancing grew wilder and madder and the more fascinating every moment, till a solitary spectator forgot himself and gave a cry of admiration. I can't even imagine what that sounds like. Ah! (laughs) Perfect! That's exactly it! 
I'll take it. In a moment, half frightened and half laughing, the bevy scrambled into the basket with little screams and, and pretty panics, like girls that would fawn go a slumming <laughs> and retreat at the sight, first sight of a tipsy man. Ooh. Egads. In the crowded hugger-mugger, higgledy-piggledy. <laughs> I love these words. I love this sequential words. What the fuck is going on? Okay. All but one who lingered a moment and looked back. She was the most beautiful of them all. Then in a moment she took her place, or rather was dragged in by the rest, and amid the chorus of laughter they were all whisked out of sight, and the young Indian was left standing alone in the dark woods, directly over the rock as he followed the basket with his eyes, which is a large star shining. And he knew, of course, that that must be their home. But of course. In their heavenly bread basket. (laughs) (laughs) Now in love with a celestial maiden, the young man returns and manages to ensnare the woman who submits to his love, which sounds eloquently rapey, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So they have a child and live what seems to be a contented life, Though, in truth, the woman is still called to join her sisters. A short time later, the woman answers the call of her sisters, intending to be gone and back without the husband even knowing. But time is different among her sisters than on earth. Without the mother, the baby dies. The father goes hunting and never returns. Their lodge decays and falls to nothing but a pile of sticks. The woman returns, believing a few hours have passed. But in reality... It had been years. Bacon continues. (laughs) She found the empty lodge sticks with astonishment. Even the grass was growing rank where she had lain on the side of her husband and baby only a few hours before. Something must be wrong. She had mistaken the place and would search for her home. Up and down the Pocantico woods. I hope I said that right. You may meet her any spring night, for doubtless she is still looking for her lost home. Not that Holda shunned the Dutch residents of Sleepy Hollow. On the contrary, when one fell ill, they would find a basket of herbs at their door to help procure a cure. As doctors at the time in this place were scarcely scarcely existent, Hulda was likely the most capable physician in the area. And though the Dutch didn't admit to it in church, they welcomed Hulda's remedies, which usually helped afford a cure, and returned the favor by leaving gifts at the door of her hut. So when the revolution began, Westchester's loyalties were split. The southern part of the county was across the river from Manhattan, which was a thriving English settlement, and were thus more likely to have been loyalist or Tory sympathies. The fervent of revolution gripped the north of the county, and in between the area of Sleepy Hollow and Terrytown, you had the Dutch, who, despite losing their territory to the English, tried to walk a fine line of neutrality. As a result, the area was frequently targeted of raids by both sides. So as the British first marched on Terrytown, Hulda rushed to lend her musket and her services to the militia, who turned her away and surrendered the town without firing a shot. But on the subsequent raid, as the militia formed a line, this time determined to stop the British, Hulda joined the ranks. The British stopped by the ranks of the militia, faced off with the line, and an impasse began with neither side seeming to willingly take the first shot. Hulda took the honors and the lead, drawing the British into the forests of Sleepy Hollow and away from Terrytown, which afforded time to hide ammunition and weapons, as well as stores of food which the British were intent on taking. So it's said that Hulda's skill as a crack shot brought the focus of the skirmish onto her, and the Redcoats extracted their retribution. <laughs> so when the British marched back to the, their boats on the Hudson, the militia found that their only casualty had been Hulda, whose lifeless body was found on the woods of what is now Rockefeller Preserve. 
So still afraid from her reputation, at first the soldiers were hesitant about picking up her body, thinking instead to leave it for the wolves and other scavengers of Sleepy Hollow. But eventually it was decided to take her to her hut. When they arrived there, they found a Bible, proving that she, was a, she had Christian beliefs, as well as a will, which deeded her possessions, including a small amount of gold, to the widows of the revolution in the area. So now considered a heroine, uh, the pent-up goodwill of the citizens of Sleepy Hollow poured out, and it was decided to give her a home in the Dutch Church of Sleepy Hollow Burial Ground. Since still the minister was hesitant to give Hilda a plot, because he's still like, mm, she might own a Bible, but I'm pretty sure she's a witch. She didn't give me a basket. Right? But eventually agreed to let her be buried in an unmarked grave near the north side of the old Dutch church. So, was Hilda a witch? In the beliefs of the day, one could easily say yes. The difference between a herbalist and a witch was essentially the degree of success that they found in their practice. Oftentimes, it only took one failure resulting in the death of a wise or cunning woman's reputation to make the slight shift from healer to witch. So as Hulda was certainly a skilled practitioner in healing arts and made potions and paste and act cures and, you know, things of that nature, the case can be made that separates Hulda from a wholehearted proclamation of a witch was the manner of her death, because she died a hero rather than from a noose or a bonfire, and as such achieved a reputation of perhaps a white witch worthy of her ancient namesake. Still, hiking witch's spring trail in Rockefeller Preserve endows you with a sense of mystery and wonder befitting the darkest tales from the Brothers Grimm, the trail takes you along a meandering brook, and those who keep a close eye and wander away from the trail will come across a spring that feeds into the stream, and perhaps the remnant of an ancient stone wall, finding themselves in the yard of Hold of the Witch. With Spook Rock looming above you, it's easy to wonder if the area which inspired Irving's most famous tale and the landscape of perhaps America's most endearing urban legend was born. Neat! But that is the tale of Hold of the Witch, who apparently also fought in a war? And was, like, a good person? Like, what a badass. I know. I like that, too. I was like, huh, she's kind of really cool. <laughs> so what was the crime? <laughs> the crime was the war. Those damn red coats. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, and to be fair, the crime is also the treatment of Holda, who literally died for her community. Who literally all just called her a witch every day. Well, I'm going to tell you a lot less of a happy story. In 1998, Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman starred in the romantic comedy Practical Magic as Sally and Gillian Owens, two sisters who learned to cast spells at an early age while being raised by their crazy aunts. Are you reading me a movie synopsis? I'm getting there. <laughs> um, played by Diane West and Stockard Channing. Sally and Gillian are the bearers of a curse that has been in their family for several generations. The men they fall in love with are doomed to an untimely death and they must come together and use their powers to fight the curse and find true love. While tons of people watched this movie, Practical Magic, as well as The Craft and Hocus Pocus, um, the majority of us were only inspired to dress up as witches for Halloween. But in 2000, one woman took away much more from the film, Practical Magic. It actually inspired her to kill her husband. What? Heather and Kevin Miller first met in 1993 while working as a server and a manager, respectively, at a seafood restaurant in Quakertown, PA. Kevin was an ex-Marine and with a degree in accounting from Philadelphia St. Joseph's University. While Heather was a struggling single mom, she had a daughter from a previous and abusive relationship and she and Kevin struck up a romance. They were married in 1995 in a typical fairy tale wedding and welcomed their first child 
bought a townhouse in Richland Town. But just two weeks after getting into their new home, Kevin lost his computer consulting job and Heather found out she was pregnant again. Mm. The stress was starting to build enormously, Heather said. Uh, The relationship went downhill from there. Kevin eventually found two jobs, but the 80-hour work weeks kept him out of the house quite a bit, causing him to neglect housework and spending time with his wife and children. The couple fought so loudly and aggressively that neighbors began to notice something was up. One of them, Sandy Miller, no relation, um, (laughs) recalled taking in Heather while she was pregnant after Kevin threw her out after an argument. You could always hear him screaming, always venting on somebody. Heather tried to get help from a woman's shelter, but was allegedly turned away because there was no physical abuse. She didn't have the money for an attorney, so divorce seemed an unlikely option. Naturally, Heather began to tell friends that she wanted out of her marriage, Mindy Robbins, her best friend at the time, happened to be practicing Wiccan and suggested the two watch a movie about witchcraft called Practical Magic as a way to help Heather take her mind off the chaos at home. In the film, Nicole Kidman's character, Gillian, falls in love with a man named Jimmy, but their relationship hits the skids when he becomes physically abusive. When trying to help her sister escape the grip of her lover, whom they also found out is a serial killer in the movie, Sandra Bullock and Gillian are kidnapped by him. Sally puts a poisonous plant called Belladonna into Jimmy's tequila, which inadvertently kills him. This certainly resonated with Heather Miller, who was so inspired by the scene that she wanted her husband to suffer the same fate in the same way. What? Yes. Okay. Guys, don't take inspiration from Hollywood movies. (laughs) That is not life advice. It's not good life advice. No, it's terrible life advice. So, Belladonna, which is also commonly known as Deadly Nightshade, has been used as a form of medicine since ancient times. The plant's berries are sometimes referred to as murderer's berries or devil's devil's berries. Devil's berries? (laughs) Where's his twig, though? (laughs) And have been thought to be the poison that Romeo and Juliet use in Shakespeare's play. At some point, Heather got into her head that by mixing belladonna into one of Kevin's meals, he would have a heart attack and subsequently die. And instead of hatching her plot and keeping it private, she decided to tell both her best friend Mindy Robbins and another neighbor, Diane Zielinski. Heather detailed her plan to send Kevin off to his night shift with poison lace bowl of mashed potatoes. How is this how I'm going to murder John one day? With mashed potatoes. <laughs> He'd fall for it, too. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, mashed potatoes! Oh my god, I love mashed potatoes! Why or, is there a plant in it? It's special mashed potatoes. Or so I'm going to die. Someone's going to find me and they'll be like, I want to murder that bitch. No, it's going to be Here's me. Here's mashed potatoes. <laughs> I put the, the devil's berries. In your mashed potatoes. Gross! I don't know where those have been. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But anyways, she put the <laughs> she put it in his mashed potatoes and called his office a number of times before finding his car in the parking lot and acting distraught after finding him kneeled over his desk from an apparent heart attack. The Miller's babysitter, Nathan Baleem, 
testified in court that Heather also told him Kevin was worth more dead than alive and spoke at length. She's about- telling the babies. <laughs> like, this bitch does not have her shit together. No. And spoke at length about her plans to give Kevin a military funeral after collecting his potential $750,000 life insurance payout. Nice. In April 2000, Heather, now a mother of four, went to a health food store and purchased a bottle of Belladonia caplets. While the herb can certainly be deadly in very high quantities, the amount sold to Heather wouldn't have done more than send her husband into a heavy sleep and give him some nasty indigestion. Regardless, she crushed 100 pills into a fine powder and asked neighbor Diane Zelensky to hold onto the vial of crushed Belladonia for her for a couple of days as she didn't want to risk Kevin finding it at home. Hmm. Zelensky later testified that Heather told her about her foolproof plan and said hopefully it would kill him. She obviously was rattled by Heather's plot as well as the fact that she was now legally involved after taking the Belladonia from her. Can you imagine being a neighbor and just having someone be like, here, hold this. Listen to my plan. And then you're like, oh, God. This is crazy. And now now I'm legally involved. I don't want to be a part of this. (laughs) Heather, no. Um, I borrowed sugar once. We're not friends. <laughs> she called their mutual friend Mindy Robbins the next day while she waited 24 hours is not totally clear and told her about Heather's plan. After comparing notes, <laughs> they went to the authorities and law enforcement officials convinced Robbins to wear wire. Comparing notes? Because Heather, Heather told them both her plans. They're oh, so like, they literally wrote it down. They were like, okay, here's what she told me. Here's what she told you. Here is what we know. Yeah. Okay. So law enforcement convinced Robbins to wear wire while getting Heather to talk about murdering her husband. Not only did she go on about the Belladonia, the mashed potatoes, and the insurance settlement, but she was also recorded discussing her multiple affairs, including two ongoing sexual relationships with Mindy Roberts, and there's the first twist. Her best friend and her were having an affair together. Like, with each other? With each other. Ooh, scandalous. (laughs) The next day... Heather was arrested by state troopers while on her way to Zelensky's home to pick up the bottle of Bladonia. She told police that she had had it with Kevin's verbal abuse and decided the only way she could feasibly split from him was to kill him. Police told Kevin that she was in custody for plotting to murder him. Imagine that. Weird. It's almost like if you tell people you're going to be killing somebody... And then people hear you talking about killing somebody, and then they end up finding things that you're going to say that you're going (laughs) to use to kill somebody. It's almost like you're not allowed to do that. I mean, almost. Almost. (laughs) Imagine, like, hey, Emily, your husband, yeah, he's in custody right now. He's plotting to murder you. I would be like, Andrew. Was he, though? (laughs) Was that me? Are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't me you were talking about? Did you get your wires crossed? Should I be in custody? (laughs) Pretty much. He did not press charges and appeared to be more apologetic to his wife for making her want to kill him than upset or terrified by her scheme. And... (coughs) 
I'm sorry, honey, for making you want to legitimately kill me. No, trust me, my life is worth living. (laughs) (laughs) And plot twist number two, they arrived hand in hand for her trial in September 2000. Even though his family was convinced that Heather would have gone through with her plan and that Kevin was blinded by love. I have questions. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Number one, if Andrew tried to kill me, I don't think I would talk to him anymore. (laughs) You think I'd maybe pass on this one? (laughs) I'd be like, I love you and everything, but plotting my murder is kind of where I draw the line. It's like a little extreme, I don't know. And also, he would know then that she was having affairs with other people, too. Yeah. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. I have so many. I'm just confused. I'm also very confused. Blinded by love? Okay, sure, to an extent. I mean, I love people. <laughs> well, I say people, I mean like two. <laughs> maybe three. Okay, maybe three. You, my mom, and the person I'm marrying. <laughs> and that's about it. Exactly. Sorry, Dad. Just kidding, I love you too. Okay, four, fine. <laughs> All my siblings can go get bent. <laughs> I like you sometimes. All my five other siblings. <laughs> It's conditional love. <laughs> I have to. I don't get a choice. No. Well, it's probably, I say, staying with the person who tried to kill you once is probably not the best, the best plan. life choice, but maybe this is why men die before women. Maybe because they make bad choices. Literally. After a four-day trial during which she attempted to blame her former girlfriend, Mindy Roberts, for her coming up with the idea to kill her husband... Has it, was Mindy the one... That's also Wiccan? Yes. Okay, okay. Mindy is her best friend who's a Wiccan, and they also had an affair together. Right. I don't know what that makes you. Very complicated I'm going to say ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Heather was found guilty of attempted murder and sentenced up to 10 years in state prison. She and Kevin spoke on the phone several times a day and wrote daily letters to each other. He visited her in prison once a week, and of his loyalty, Heather said, In one aspect, I love him for it. But in the same breath, he must be completely insane, she added. (laughs) This shows me he actually truly does love me. For the very first time, I can say that I feel loved. Oh my god. She is crazy. Yep. They're both crazy. (laughs) So Heather remained in prison for five years. Heather (laughs) returned home. To go pick Belladonna. (laughs) Out of her garden. For round two. Yes. That's twist number three. And then she tried to kill him again. (laughs) So Heather remained in prison for five years, after which she returned home to pick things back up from where she left them with Kevin and her kids. In a 2016 episode of Oxygen's Snapped, Kevin revealed that despite his attempts to keep their family together, he and Heather divorced. Mm. I still struggle to process what happened, he said. Yeah, we all make mistakes, but it's a matter of owning those mistakes and moving forward from them, he continued. Looking back on it now, there are probably things that I wouldn't have done. It did not go the way I hoped it would. It made my life a whole lot more difficult than I would have rathered it. She tried to kill you. But it is what it is. Oh my god. Somebody throw the whole man away. (laughs) He needs help. Yeah, and maybe another half a brain. Yeah. For real. I'm not joking. I would not stay with someone if they're like, yeah, they legitimately planned your murder. No, can you imagine having a police officer tell you, like, oh, by the way, Jen, John legitimately was trying to kill you, and now he's going to jail, and you're like, I love him still. 
Here's my sweet cheeks. <laughs> That's my sweetie pie. <laughs> More kisses. <laughs> Maybe try not to think about killing me anymore. Okay, thank you. Bye. Everyone, Have fun in jail. Everyone makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. Nobody's perfect. You live and you learn it. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. There's just so many things. First off, you're watching a movie and you're like, ah, yes, Belladonna. That's how I'm going to kill him. <laughs> like arsenic or like any of the other regular poisonous things. Nah, I want to use the devil's berry. <laughs> the devil's berries. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds almost appealing to me. Doesn't sound appealing to me. <laughs> Oh my god. I legitimately choked in my coffee, I think, five times during your story. Uh, me too. And I'm not drinking coffee for once. <laughs> it's just from earlier, it comes back up, and you're like, no, stay down. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I guess that's the end of our episode. Yeah, so we will spin the, our wheel of crime to let you know what our next spooky, ooky episode is gonna be for October. No, it's Spooktober. Ah. Spooktober. And it's... Halloween Crimes! Wow! (laughs) It's almost like we wrote on every panel on the board. (laughs) (laughs) No, we didn't. Either way, we're doing Halloween Crimes and it's going to be great. Can't wait to see you guys next week. Because next week is Halloween. What are you going as? I am going as a Pokemon. Really? Yeah, I am. (laughs) But I'm not going to be like a regular thought and go as Pikachu. Oh, disappointed. Right? I'm going to be the leader of the Squirtle Squad. Mm, I have no idea what that is. I know you don't. (laughs) Cool! I'm advertising so that hopefully somebody who's listening can be like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) Me! They can be my one fan. (laughs) I know what that is! Yay me! Right? You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Wheel of Crime. You can also email us wheelofcrime at gmail.com. Yeah. Make sure you spell it right because there's bitches out there who are trying to do what we do. Right? With our name. We have people stealing our name, our podcast, and hopefully not our listeners. It's really rude. It's very rude. I'm ashamed. I didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. See you next week. Anyways, yes. Goodbye. See you next week. Bye. Bye.